everyone and welcome to our PrepCast. This podcast is dedicated to MBA and master's orientation and preparation. My name is Martina and in today's episode we are going to talk about the top 10 TOEFL and IELTS myths and we will give you the best advice on how to deal with them. Our guest speaker is Stefan you know him very well from our previous uh, episode. He is a tutor in MyGuru team. Uh, MyGuru is a Chicago-based education company. Um, they provide in one-to-one tutoring, test prep. I will leave their website in the description of this episode so you can find there all of the information that you need. Stefan, it's a pleasure having you here again. Thank you so much for your time. Please say a couple of words for yourself, uh, for those listeners who haven't uh, listened our previous episodes already. My pleasure. So uh, as Martina introduced me, I've been doing standardized test prep for uh, quite a few years now, including uh, with individuals who would need to submit a TOEFL or IELTS exam as part of going to apply as a non-native English speaker to a primarily English-speaking program. I've worked with students, I believe now, from at least five continents. Actually, it's probably six. I have worked with Africa. I've worked with South America, North America, Europe, Asia, Australia. It's true, only Antarctica is left. I need to find a penguin. But other than that, uh, I've worked with folks from all over the globe to get into programs all over the globe. And I hope that the myths that we're able to dispel today about the TUFL and the IELTS will help folks apply and gain admissions to their target programs, wherever they may be. Great. Thank you so much. And let's start with uh, our myths today. So I guess that most of the people believe that the TOEFL and IELTS exams are pretty much the same. Uh, and they believe that there's no difference between those two exams. So could you please uh, provide uh, to the listeners with the most essential differences between those two? Yes. So the biggest difference is just making sure that your exam, whichever you choose, is accepted at the programs you want to go to. And it's true that most uh, wide ranging and reputable institutions will take both tests at this point. But there are a couple of big differences that you should be aware of. First, the TUFL is in almost all but not all instances offered on a computer, whereas the IELTS is going to be primarily a handwritten exam. Now, you can do IELTS on a computer. You can do TUFL on paper, but usually TUFL's a computer-based exam at this point, and IELTS is going to be uh, done on pen and paper. Now, there also is going to be a difference in format. TUFL is almost exclusively going to be multiple choice format for the things that aren't involving speaking and writing, whereas IELTS is going to be more short answer. Similarly, you're going to have a different speaking experience between the two tests. The TUFL, you're going to basically just speak to a recording, there's not going to be a live person interacting with you. With IELTS, you actually have to speak to somebody live, and that is the speaking uh, format of the test. So you will, in most cases, be able to submit either test 
but you have to make sure that whichever program you're looking at and applying to does accept both of them or what you, you will tailor yourself to whichever of the two they accept and recognize that there are these small differences format whether or not you have to do it all in one sitting because you will often have to schedule that speaking portion for the IELTS where you have a live proctor that you're interacting with at a separate date and time as the rest of the exam just to know the slight differences and of course you can go to their websites to take a look at the differences as well but it is absolutely a myth that there's no difference there are some not demonstrable but important differences to know I understand that's that's great. So I remember that most of my classmates uh, when we were at school were thinking that like, oh, uh, the TOEFL uh, is easier. So I will prepare for TOEFL <laughs> and something like this. So uh, they believe that one exam is harder than the other. Um, is that even true? And that's interesting, Martina, actually, because I've heard the opposite from different people, and I've heard the same from different people. Depending on who you ask, you might get different answers. So Absolutely. <laughs> and, and that right there explains to whoever's listening that this is definitely not a situation where one is absolutely harder than the other. They're just different. And the, the way that you can consider it is that generally the um, – and the test makers and admissions offices believe that the TUFL is a little bit more of a academic kind of speaking experience, whereas IELTS is more conversational. But that includes the idea of whether you yourself find it harder to speak to a person or not speak to a person. So there is no definitive answer as to which is harder than the other. It's a personal experience sort of thing. And you're going to want to consider just those differences that we talked about in the first part of our myth, myth breaking discussion here to decide which is harder for you, because you'll want to investigate both tests to determine which you prefer. And you may even want to take a practice exam or two of each to determine which you would be more naturally uh, just positioned to perform better on. Great. Thank you for making this clear. And a lot of people believe that multi-choice format is uh, easier and TOEFL is a multi-choice format, format test. That's right? So yeah, TOEFL yeah. is the multiple choice one, and the IELTS generally has short answers for those listening uh, pieces of the exam and, and the reading comprehension where you have to make answers based on what you hear and what you what you interpret from a reading perspective. Again, it really depends on the individual. So the multiple choice format for the TOEFL isn't necessarily just a one selection is correct. Uh, answering format either, which can add a little bit of complexity. And some folks find it easier to provide their own answers in a short answer format, which isn't 100% definitive as compared to having to choose between somewhat uh, abstract and uh, we'll, we'll say arbitrary answers that you're probably not going to come up with on your own when you're considering the multiple choice answers for TOEFL reading or TOEFL um, listening tests. So, and, and again, just interacting with the computer versus uh, interacting with handwriting, pen and uh, pencil and paper. It again is very much a personal decision. 
try some of the Tuffle practice uh, content that's available from ETS, try some of the IELTS uh, practice materials that they provide, and determine which you find a better format for yourself. Again, if you're worried about being able to write quickly enough to answer in the time uh, allotted, then maybe you prefer Tuffle. If you want a little bit more time to produce your answers, which you have on IELTS, so you might prefer IELTS. So again, it's very much a personal preference and the best way to determine which is better for you is through practicing the actual formats. Great, thank you. And another difference that I know about those two tests uh, is uh, about who you are talking to. Uh, about IELTS, you're speaking to a person, and uh, for TOEFL, you're speaking to a computer. Am I right? That is correct, and they are Great. different. They're they're Great. just very different, and I don't know uh, if uh, obviously here on, in a podcast format, I'm talking to a person. I've also produced a bunch of different things in prior careers, working at ESPN and uh, doing different coursework uh, at my guru, where I'm literally just talking to nobody. I understand that talking to nobody is not necessarily natural for a lot of folks, but sometimes that actually has less pressure than sitting in front of somebody and having to speak to them, look them in the eye and that sort of thing. Other folks prefer having a call and response when they're actually speaking. And it is just, again, and I, I keep saying it throughout these myths, it's a personal preference thing. If you're just weirded out by the idea of answering a question and having nobody respond to you, then you might prefer the IELTS where you actually have somebody that you're talking to and responding to live. Whereas if you get nervous looking at somebody and speaking in English, maybe TOEFL will be better because you just have to respond to a recorded question or a recorded prompt and do it without the uh, the eyes of somebody looking back at you. So again, consider both options. And it's going to be hard to replicate the uh, the speaking to a person like as part of their practice exams. They obviously don't have a practice exam that involves a person necessarily. But you can do a call and response with a friend to kind of get an idea of that IELTS uh, interface of working with a live person in the speaking portion. Whereas with TOEFL, you will actually just kind of produce a recording and then hear it back yourself. So you can practice it. It's a little bit different than practicing like multiple choice and short answer. But again, practice is going to be the best way to decide whether you prefer the live speaking test or prefer the recorded one. I understand and absolutely agree with you. And uh, maybe another criteria uh, for differentiation between those two tests is where it is preferred uh, or is there uh, something like this? For example, TOEFL is preferred in North America and IELTS is preferred everywhere else. Could you please uh, make this clear? Every year, I fully believe that the world gets smaller. Uh, both <laughs> Martina and I are obviously speaking to each other from opposite sides of an ocean, and it's just going to continue like that. So you're seeing less differentiation between continents in terms of which uh, exam is preferable. Again, go do a little bit of research, contact your target institutions to determine which they prefer if they have a preference. Most places probably, most uh, universities probably don't. Smaller schools may only take one if you're using it for a non-university 
application the TOEFL or the IELTS, then you're probably looking at a more likely scenario where one is preferable. But another thing to recognize is also that they aren't going to care about the form of English. That's another thing to recognize is that TOEFL doesn't use like English spelling from America, from the United States versus say English spelling from Britain. So if you spell color C-O-L-O-R or C-O-L-O-U-R, you're not going to be docked for either. So even though you might find that different geographic regions have a slight preference to one exam or the other, however your English is formatted is going to be acceptable. So while, yeah, there is a little bit of a tuffle North America, maybe even South America preference, and then IELTS in Europe and in Asia, uh, like Australia, it's definitely not definitive. And it's getting to be less of a differentiation every year. So just again, take a practice of both, determine which you prefer, make sure that whichever you prefer is accepted by the programs that you're applying to. But you probably are going to be in a scenario where you could do both and get to choose which you'd like best. Great, thank you. Um, a lot of students, they are usually sending us their questions in our email, and they are wondering where actually they can take those exams. Uh, are, are they only offered at the testing center? So uh, this is uh, the year 2022 here, as I checked <laughs> my calendar, and the last couple of years have changed a lot in uh, standardized testing. Uh, just a, I can't say absolutely every exam that ETS offers, and ETS is the uh, educational testing service, and they are the people that put forth the TOEFL. Just about every ETS exam is offered at home in some fashion at this point, and the TOEFL is one of them. So you are able to have a home proctored TOEFL. It is video conferencing. So you'll have a proctor that is watching you remotely to make sure that you're not cheating when you take the at-home TOEFL. IELTS is currently in process of doing the same thing because once one goes at home, the others kind of have to respond. IELTS is currently working and has the at-home available some places, but not all places. And they have said that they're going to roll it out globally where the exam is offered some point in 2022. So continue to monitor the situation because there is going to be an at-home comprehensively available IELTS that's coming. It's not there just yet, but expect that it will come soon. And it's up to you whether you prefer to take it at home or in a testing center. I also teach the GRE, which was one of the first exams that went online as a result of the COVID pandemic. And once that happened, we still have students today that decide whether they prefer to go in person or prefer to go at home. It really, again, is a matter of personal preference. Some folks prefer to go in person because that removes distractions and they feel just more comfortable in a uh, in a neutral setting. Other people obviously prefer the uh, flexibility and uh, home field advantage, as it were, of being able to wear your slippers at your own personal desk. So the exams are not only offered at testing centers at this point. 
Tuffle is definitely available uh, at home just about everywhere that it's offered. IELTS is offered at home some select places already and expected to be offered at home. Uh, again, I can't say guaranteed by, by the end of the year, but they're working towards that. But at the same time, you'll still be able to uh, complete the exam in person at a testing center as well. So you'll have more options, not limited options. And those options may or may not be at a testing center moving forward for both the TUFL and the IELTS. Great. And I know that uh, something that is difficult for the students is when to start their preparation uh, and um, actually how early should they start their preparation and should they know um, which test to take early uh, in their preparation. Yeah, and the TUFL and the IELTS, because it really, oftentimes it, it is just tied to your personal comfort with the English language, right? So mm -hmm. if you are more comfortable with the language, conversationally written, listening, speaking, um, and writing, you may be able to start prepping later. And I would still recommend at least two months of prep, even if you are the most um, uh, comfortable uh, English non-native speaker. But you don't necessarily have to decide which test you want to take, because you're going to have to prepare for the writing section of both exams. You're going to have to prepare for the speaking section of both exams. You're going to have to prepare for the reading and listening sections of both exams. So you don't necessarily have to decide and prep exclusively for the TOEFL or for the IELTS in, say, your first month of practice. But after taking a practice exam or two of these exams, you probably will want to decide, largely based on what your target institutions will accept, whether you want to do the TOEFL or the IELTS. But you can certainly begin prepping not knowing which one you're ultimately going to take. Great. And again, back in the days when I used to be a student, <laughs> I remember that we used to count every word in the writing section in every exam. So please <laughs> tell to all of the listeners, uh, is word counting actually uh, essential for the writing section for those so two tests, of course? A absolutely. So a minimum largely is. A maximum is not. So generally, the TUFL is going to want you to have 300 word essays, roughly. And there's a little bit of variance between the two writing responses, but roughly. And the IELTS can be a little bit shorter, around 250, again, roughly. But that's the minimum that you need to surpass, not a maximum. So you could have a, let's say, 350 word essay for either that scores higher than a 600 word essay for either. And don't feel that just producing more words will make your score better. You have to make sure that you're actually answering the question, addressing the prompt, and making cogent and narratively cohesive statements. So it's better to to plan out a good four paragraph response rather than to have a rambling and lost six paragraph response. Make sure you hit the general minimum that the exams expect, but don't feel like just producing more words, more words, more words, more words is going to get you the highest score. In fact, it can 
detract from your score potentially if those words just don't really make the most sense. So make sure that you're able to clear the minimums. But once you clear the minimums, focus more on having good structure, having cohesive statements. And you do generally want to leave a little bit of time at the end of each of the writing uh, responses to proofread your work to make sure that you're not missing uh, sentences, missing conjunctions, having sentences or phrases that aren't properly stated, because it's better to have time to proofread and catch mistakes that you may have made than to add an extra 20 to 50 words that ultimately won't really affect your score at all. Great. Thank you for making this clear as well, uh, because I guess that a lot of people are thinking like me. <laughs> so, yes. Um, and what's the case with the proficient English speakers? Um, I guess that they believe that uh, they don't need to prepare uh, for uh, English exams, but maybe this is not true. Absolutely not true, because you're not going to know the format. You're not going to know how to respond. You're not going to know the types of prompts that you get, the types of um listening uh, excerpts that you're going to hear and you're not going to know what you need to focus on when you're taking notes to recall the information as you go along or what types of questions they ask it would be absolutely misaligned to decide just because i know english that i don't need to prep for these exams you need to know how they're structured you need to know what to expect you may not have to prep for as long like i said two months is probably the minimum if you are required to submit a tuffle or an ielts because of just what your target institution is requiring you'll want to have at least two months to prepare for this so that you're not having to cram that you've got enough time to spend an hour or two a day working through the different sections taking a couple of practice exams when you have free days to do so so that you're not surprised by what happens on test day imagine if you've never taken the thing before um, we'll just take the tuffle for an example and never prepared anything. And you're suddenly expected to speak to nobody, right? And you're like, what? How do I do that? I'm, I'm just not comfortable speaking to nothing. That can easily throw off your entire exam. And it has nothing to do with your ability to speak English. It's just that you weren't prepared for what you needed to do. So even if your English skills are strong, make sure that you do attempt some practice so that you know what to expect on test day, you know how it's structured, you're preparing for what are ultimately going to be relatively lengthy endeavors. You're looking at three to four hours for these tests when you incorporate all the aspects of them. So you just build up that stamina and you're ready for test day and you're not just suddenly going, oh, what's next? And being surprised by how the structure is. So definitely don't believe that English speakers don't need to prep. They need to prep like everybody else. But if you're highly proficient, you just may not need to focus on the the lower hanging fruit of like building vocabulary and things of that nature. Great. Uh, I understand and I'm totally agree that no matter if you're a proficient English speaker or not, preparation is the really essential part. And um, let's um, mention here the last myth for today, and let's throw it away as well. Uh, these are the only two English proficiency exam options. 
This is a lot certainly of people believe it. <laughs> yeah, this is certainly the case. And they're certainly the ones that are more familiar. And there are other ones out there. I won't talk about all of the different exam, uh, English as a foreign language proficiency tests that exist. But the one that probably has gained the most market share over the last five years is actually from an app that uh, uh, test preppers for TOEFL and IELTS might be familiar with, which is Duolingo. Duolingo actually has a proficiency exam at this point, and their exam is only 60 minutes long. <laughs> so it is significantly shorter than both the TOEFL and the IELTS, and it's also a uh, lower cost. Whereas the uh, TOEFL and the IELTS are going to cost hundreds of dollars, the, the, the Duolingo, as of this recording, I believe is about $50 in the United States. So it's a, another option that's out there. It certainly hasn't gained as much traction, but it is one that I wanted to mention in this podcast because it's cheaper, it's shorter, and it might be easier um, to execute for those reasons. So it will still require you to do prep. And obviously, if you're using the Duolingo app and you use the Duolingo um, exam, you'll probably want to you know, prep using that tool and use their resources that are available. But it is something to look into. There are thousands of institutions, higher education and corporations that will accept the Duolingo test. And if they do accept that test, you might want to consider it because it, it is just cheaper and shorter. Those are huge uh, benefits to it. But that said, it certainly is not as well renowned and certain higher education institutions may not be accepting it just yet because it is shorter and cheaper. So it's a cost benefit thing. Definitely, again, a big part. You've heard me say this over and over again here today. Make sure you're researching what uh, exams for English language proficiency are accepted at the institution that you're applying to, whether it's higher education or corporate and determine which the best exam is for you. And it may actually end up being neither the TOEFL nor the IELTS, but instead Duolingo or one of the many other exams that are out there that might not require quite the uh, expenditure, uh, the same expenditure of time and resources that the TOEFL and the IELTS always do. Great. Stefan, thank you so much. I believe that we just throw away all of those myths and we make the case clear or a little bit easier to all of the listeners today. Thank you so much one more time. Um, the information was really interesting and valuable. So um, I strongly believe that we helped a lot. My uh, pleasure to everybody and uh, good luck with whatever English proficiency exam you're taking <laughs> as part of your uh, uh, academic or professional journey. Yeah, good luck to all of you in your academic journey. I want to remind you to uh, look at uh, the description of this podcast because there you can find um, the website of my guru team. Um, you can find our website where you can find, uh, of course, all of the um, materials that you need for your MBA preparation. And of course, um, you can find the previous episode with Stefan where we are talking about the top 10 uh, GMAT and GRE myths. So please find out. And of course, you can leave your comments below. For now, I want to wish a good luck again to all of you on behalf of our team and stay tuned for more.